0: The following podcast contains spoilers and words like cr, and gosh d**k. Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is We Watched a Thing. He's Billy, I'm Topher. And we did it, Billy. We watched a thing. Mate, we totally did. We watched a thing this week. Not like last week where you said you were going to watch a thing and then I had to get some kiwi on to talk about it. <laughs> We did watch a thing last week. Then you did another episode. I You watched two things. What you're saying is that I am more committed to the show. Is that it? Am I more prolific? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I did manage to uh, convince you to watch a thing this week. Even though you you really didn't want to watch this thing, I made you watch the thing. Is that correct? Jeez, I did not want to watch it. (laughs) We are, of course, talking about Jungle Cruise, the 2021 American fantasy adventure film directed by Jean Colesera from a screenplay written by Glenn Ficarra, Jean Reque and Michael Green, based on the Walt Disney theme park attraction of the same name. It stars Dwayne Johnson, Emily Blunt, Jack Whitehall, Jesse Plemons and Paul Giamatti. And what is it about, Toph? I guess it's about Hollywood raising the white flag and saying we're officially out of ideas. <laughs> be honest with me, though. You you weren't keen on watching this. We all. Why know- would I be? We all know that you were going to watch this, though, right? Like, you were going to watch this Wh- at some point, weren't you? Why would I possibly watch this film? <laughs> if not because it was what we were doing this week. Why would I have been like, yeah, you know what? I know there's a hundred sports going on in the Olympics. I'll hit pause on that for two hours to watch Jungle Cruise. Oh, mate, nobody cares about the Olympics. Famously, billions of people do. What, what, what sports have you been watching with the Olympics? All the sports, mate. That's all the beauty of, of it. All of them. There's a lot of sports. You're not watching all of them. Tell me the- Okay, th- I, I haven't watched, like, you know, the the ones where it's just, like, one person <laughs> in, a, in a sailing tinny with yeah. a- With one little sail? Have you been been watching the three-person basketball? (laughs) We did win gold in the the men's laser sailing. Well, that's That's pretty pretty exciting. Have you been watching, like, the three-person basketball or whatever it is? No, that is not a sport and has no business being there. (laughs) That thing is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, you're an Emily Blunt fan, though, yeah? Love the Blunt. She was the only thing that gave me any hope going into this film that- you know, it's like, well, maybe if, I mean, if Emily signed on, maybe it's OK. Maybe she's not just cashing a check. Uh, she is <laughs> Every everyone involved in this film right down to the people involved in the CGI are just cashing a check. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, let's get straight into it. So, the film has been delayed quite a while. The the cast joined on in 2018. It was meant to release last year, I believe, and then got delayed due to the pandemic. Uh, So, it did get released in cinemas, at least in this part of the world, and on Disney Plus Premium the same day. I'm guessing that you watched this from the comfort of your own home. You are correct, sir. Yes. Whereas you, you got the cinema experience. I did. I went down to my local Dendy cinema. We love Dendy cinemas and I had a great time. I had a great time. Honestly, I I had some food, I had some drinks and um, couldn't really care about the movie. So (laughs) It sounds like you, yeah, you attacked this film in the best possible way, (laughs) which is to say you had other things going on other than the film. I feel like I can already sense that you're down on this film. I could sense that fr- are you are you you pick are you picking that? yeah, I could pick that from Fred at night when you messaged Sam and I talking about how shit it was <laughs> that was probably a bit of a spoiler yeah. yeah um i was I was yeah I mean I was <laughs> yeah, even the um the imperial stout that I was putting back. Uh, which was a really high percentage beer that um, that didn't help. Nothing helped. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did this the right way. To be honest, if I watched this at home, I'd probably I'd probably be further down on it as well. And not to show my cards, I'm not saying I loved this film. It's not it's not going to crack my top ten of the year list. But I'm pretty it's sure. Not- I- How would you put it? Good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a better time with it than you did, though. So this film. Did you know that there were discussions of this film happening as early as two thousand and four? I did not. Pretty much straight after Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of Black Pearl was a success, they decide to do it. A- do this, basically. Did you know that initially Tom Hanks was set to star? No, this is news to me. That'd be a completely different film, wouldn't it? If If Hanksy was in The Rock's role. is Han- I was going to say, is Hanks Johnson or is Hanks Blunt? I believe that- it, Well, I mean, that's a great question. I believe that he was in The Rock's role. So, The Rock was cast first in 2015 and then Blunt signed on a year later. And they hung on. They hung on. They hung on. Honestly, it's pretty impressive to me that Blunt was signed on that early. Was she that big of a name? In twenty sixteen, early. I mean 2016? she was al- she was already Emily Blunt. Like we're we're post Edge of Tomorrow. We're yeah, like Emily Blunt is Emily Blunt. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I mean, where do you wanna where do you wanna start here? What are we We could start with we could start where the film starts. In um in merry old London. No, no, it starts on a green screen. That's where it starts. Um a pretty bad one at that. Um Wowza. So the film kind of starts with Emily Blunt stealing um, uh, an an arrowhead. Yeah, she stole that arrowhead as blatantly as this film stole from Stephen Summers 1999 classic The Mummy, because <laughs> that's what this film wants to be. I mean, oh, abs- look, absolutely. Um, we start with what I'm what I'm sure the movie hopes is a really fun scene with its big over the top villain, yeah. and then there's music playing as Emily Blunt outsmarts people and bangs them on the head and stuff in a in a scene that is just truly horrifically edited, Um, like it's actually kind of hard to watch the screen as this thing happens. And you've just given absolutely no sense of the action and the space and what's actually going on. We just continually cut to a close up of someone zooming along on a ladder until we pop out hanging over a green screen and not caring about anything. Yeah, I I agree. I was actually surprised at how um, unengaged with the visuals I was with this film. I thought the editing, as you've mentioned, was pretty poor. The visual effects really aren't fantastic either. And it's disappointing because Jean Collet-Serra, who directed the film, I've actually quite liked his previous work. I don't know if you caught The Shallows, the, the shark film. Great looking film and really tightly edited as well. This film is not that. I'll completely agree with you there. <laughs> it absolutely is not. And even like I, I don't even care that the the mat of London behind Emily Blunt in the early parts of this film doesn't look realistic. Like that's fine. If you're kind of going for this like overly romanticized to the point of being cartoonish look, I'm okay with that. But this, for me, didn't succeed on that level. It just, to me, looked bad. And I, man, I hate like I hate dumping on artists involved in films. You don't know how much time they had. That you don't know what the resources were. And like, of course, it's incredibly hard to make any film. Well, I take no joy in dumping on people's hard work unless it's like David Ayer. But it's just, I, man, I'm so not here for so many of the elements. In this film. Yeah, I'll agree. And the disappointing thing about it is that, I mean, when you look at the timeline, they wrapped filming in 2018, right? There is no reason they shouldn't have had the time to really clean this up. But as Disney has done, I think they just kind of dumped it on the pile and that was that, you know? <laughs> I actually I didn't have the lowest hopes for this film. I, I don't know about you, but I was quite a fan of the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I think if you look at the quote unquote adventure movie, I know you're gonna slam me for saying this because I've said it in the past. They just don't make movies like that anymore, my friend. <laughs> just like the gone is the adventure movie of the past. Just the fun, gripping they just don't make them anymore. It just it is a genre that does not exist. And that's why I'm a little bit sad about this film, because it, it so desperately is calling back to that. Like, the parallels between this and 99's The Mummy are staggering. Like, it's very clear that this was heavily inspired by that. And while you can sense that it's going for the same levels of fun, it really just misses the mark. And I think the pacing and the story are just really not there in this film. I, uh, the pacing of the film is I, I part of my running commentary to you on Messenger on Saturday night was at one point I messaged you and said, nothing has happened in the last 40 minutes for an adventure film where you want that sense of like kinetic energy to st- to, to every scene, really. And the story, like it's rough to compare things to. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I'm not going to I'm not c- comparing like the entire film to Raiders. But even the scene in Raiders of pure exposition when Indy is telling the government agent guys just about the ark. That scene of four crusty white dudes sitting in a room talking has more energy than anything in this film. Yeah, it's funny. It's In some ways, an insanely fast moving film, like just about every scene is action. There is very little that happens in this film that isn't, I guess, what you would call, you know, that you would broadly describe as action. You know, like things are always flying about the screen and stuff is happening in that sense. But there's very little dramatic action. And by that, there is so little that actually drives anything forward. It was funny, you know, I got that message from you while I was sitting in the cinema and I was trying to do the math to work out if we must have started at around the same time. Because I was like, you know what? I'm feeling the same way and I'm wondering if we're at the exact same point in the movie here. <laughs> and you were invested enough that you were checking messages from me. <laughs> so, that's a great well, sign. You know, I got my watch, so it popped up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I- I'm going to say a good thing about the movie here. Something I genuinely really enjoyed and where I think- Maybe 60% of the effort into this film went into the run of dad jokes that Dwayne Johnson <laughs> makes when we're first introduced <laughs> to him. Actually, genuinely, really enjoyable stuff. I actually loved it. Yeah, I mean, you're a fairly fresh dad here. Did did that kind of speak to you? Did it inspire you on your dadward journey? <laughs> <laughs> um, really aspirational stuff. <laughs> gotta be said. So, you've been to Disneyland, yeah? Yeah, I have. Have you been on the Jungle Cruise? No, it didn't occur to me that that was something worth doing. Right, because a lot of that, um, to take credit away from the movie, is kind of taken directly from the Disneyland ride. So, when you go on the Disney ride, you do have a live cast member as the skipper of the boat. And it's kind of quite similar to this. Um, the story is completely unrelated. From memory, when you're on the Jungle Cruise, it, it goes through a number of regions. Like, I think it does Asia and then Africa. And, you know, there's no actual kind of story. It's like a safari. But, yeah, so that was, from memory, taken quite directly from, from the ride. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, can't even give them movie props <laughs> for that then. I tried. I tried, Billy, you heard. <laughs> While we're kind of peripherally talking about The Rock and his dad jokes, though, tell me about your experience with The Rock and with Blunto. Uh, specifically in this film? Yes. <laughs> I don't think either one of them really could have done much more with what they were given. I agree. Um, in fairness Blunt, I think she wrangles everything she can out of her lines and, and this character. Um, meanwhile... Dwayne Johnson is there, is doing exactly what he's meant to do in any film, which is to be there being some slight variant on the persona that we all know and love of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's fine. I agree. Here's the thing for me. I think individually they both worked But, you know, pretty well. I think that, as you said, they're doing exactly what they can. Where it really falls apart for me is this idea that they're supposed to have some kind of chemistry between them. And when it gets to the the kind of finale of the piece, when she sacrifices this scientific thing she's been searching for to save him because she all of a sudden, I guess, wants to jump him. It completely falls apart for me because there is zero chemistry between The Rock and Emily Blunt. I'm sorry, there's just not. <laughs> so now that I found out that you're 400 years old, now I really want a pizza. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it just, I don't know, it, that really did not work for me on any level. Is it, is it worth- you know, drilling into why this guy has an American accent, or is that just- <laughs> Oh, you Did mate, we just let that one through to the keeper? I wondered that as well. A 400-year-old Spanish conquistador, and he's like, as American as the day is long. <laughs> there is, of course, a a truly ridiculous scene, reasonably early on in the film, where Johnson fights, or like play fights, as it turns out, Um a tiger or a, che- a cheetah, mate. You're on. You're not even on the right continent. <laughs> big, big cat. I know it was a big cat. Oh, jaguar, mate. probably it could be a jaguar because you know they, have, of course, Emperors New Groove have have jaguars, and that's the right continent. Good. So let's go with jaguars. Um, this thing looks like it stumbled off the set of Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that's the level. <laughs> it's it like it's that convincing. This thing is. I'm sorry, very bad. I know. But we finally got to see The Rock wrestle a giant jungle cat and a walking tree. and like you know, he, he wrestles just about anything he can in this film. I mean, there's probably not many animals left on this earth that he hasn't punched in the face in some CG form. I think you're probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, after, that, after the fight or play fight with the genuinely horrendous big cat- We get a phenomenal waste of three minutes where instead of just starting the Jungle Cruise, Lily gets kidnapped for no reason. Oh, I I know. And then she just escapes pretty easily. And it's like, really, did we have to spend three minutes on this? In the birdcage. Well, it takes a lot longer than three minutes by the time all is said and done. There's three minutes basically from when she gets kidnapped to when she escapes. But then there's that whole crazy chase thing and Paul Giamatti is after them. And it, Yeah. I don't think I really felt the runtime of this film. You know, like looking at it now, <laughs> looking at it now for me it's it's actually kind of hard to believe that it is over 2 hours because as I said I I think the pacing issues are more with the drive forward. I think just about every scene is is crammed action to action and I think that's a bad thing. But I didn't feel the runtime of the film, but there is a lot of irrelevant garbage in here. <laughs> We got to a point where my other half said, oh, "Are we past halfway?" <laughs> and we were a third of the way. When we saw how long had to go, you could—I mean, you could just feel the air come out of the room. It was just like, "Oh God, <laughs> there's so much left." <laughs> you mentioned uh, Paul G. Marty just before in that in um, in that sequence at, um, you know, Jungle Town. Um, that sequence, we also, is one of the scenes featuring Jesse Plemons, who is having so much more fun being in this film than I was having watching it. I was having a lot of, my wife and I had just finished watching season two of Fargo. And so we just kept having a lot of fun joking about, like, why is the butcher here? <laughs> is, he, is he looking for Kirsten Dunst? Like, what you know, what, is it because he thinks that she's been sucked into Jumanji again and that's why he's gone to the jungle? Like, you know what? That would have been fun. That was the most fun way for us to approach this movie was just, you know, by fan theory about Jesse Plemons. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, it's really not a lot else he'd have fun with. <laughs> No, but he he's having a ball. He's having a great time. I mean, he gets to do a silly accent. Uh, sorry to any German people out there. I'm not saying your accent is silly. I'm saying he is doing a silly accent for him and he's clearly having fun with it. Straight up murders a bunch of people too for like a Yeah, he does. You know, a Disney film. In his like in his first scene, he's just like he just starts offing people. I know. It's funny because we went to this movie and we were like, oh, you know, this way we can watch and see if, you know, if our eight, nearly eight-year-old will be like, if it'll be appropriate for her, if she'll enjoy it. Yeah, it doesn't take long before he's knifing people. I mean, there's zero blood because it's a Disney film, but there's still quite a bit of violence yeah. in the film. And he still gets his murder on good and proper. Yeah. So, does that, does, does that mouth-to-mouth thing underwater work? Absolutely not, absolutely that doesn't cause aren't you work. just blow like I'm happy to be proven wrong here, but I was watching it going, aren't you just blowing carbon dioxide? Yeah, I didn't think that would into work. her i mean if you if you want to t- I'd be happy to test it with Emily blunt like i'm I'm not saying i would. like I'll be happy to do that if for science, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the answer is that she's probably gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad for everyone. It is a bit sad. <laughs> but that was, I mean, this is a film full of outrageous things, but that was by far the most outrageous of them all. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so this this comes after that 40-minute chunk in the middle of this film where nothing happens apart from some flashbacks wrapped up in more shitty CGI. Um, yeah. And music, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. With oh yeah, with with another, with another needle drop of that cover of Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Which start that's I mean that starts real that's it's that's opening that's credit, the opening it? of the film. It yeah. starts with that and then it comes back twice later again. Yeah, I suppose if you're going to pay for the rights, you might as well it's get your money's f- worth. Very strange though. Like, what the fuck is Nothing Else Matters doing in this film? I don't know. Is that just like is that purely for? 48-year-old dads who are like, oh, well, at least I've got this. Yeah, I was very confused because even thematically, it's not like the song means anything. Like, it's ju- it's very, very strange. Very strange. And I agree with you. The only thing I can think is that it is targeting fans of 1999 Stephen Summers, the mummy, who would be around the age to be familiar with the song. <laughs> so following on from the highly questionable mouth to mouth um Emily Blunt's character Lily drowns um but then the river goes down and she's fine um it's fine and I am not I'm not even sure why yeah no the river's I, gone I, I, I don't know I was paying that much attention but all of a sudden she was she was no longer drowned I'm ge- I, I I don't know I I think I, I don't know <laughs> honestly I can't I was going to try and explain it and then I'm like I honestly can't he, he pulls her out and he does the whole pushing on her chest thing um but yeah, you don't. Oh, did he? He did, but you don't see her okay. cough up any water. So it's not like. Uh, I don't know what that does. Okay. I, I, I did first aid. It was a long time ago, and I've had a couple of stouts tonight. So I'm not going to be able to tell you the science of it. But he, oh, he pushes on her mate, chest. Mate, the day after I did my first aid course, you would not want to get injured around <laughs> me. I'd forgotten everything. <laughs> See, I've done it a couple of times. My wife has to do it for work. And so, every couple of years, she'll be like, yeah, you should come do this with me. And I'm like, okay, I guess. Why not? I couldn't tell you a thing. <laughs> you know, there's there's the, the pushing on the chest with singing Staying alive. Yeah, you got to, to like see staying the- alive. alive. That's the, that's yep. that's what I remember. Yeah. yeah. Also, like thematically, really good stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, because you want them to stay alive. That's the whole point. Yes, yes. But I always forget that the first thing you're supposed to do is call the ambulance. If you don't call the ambulance and you jump straight into staying alive, you're not going to be able to keep them alive for long enough. <laughs> but if the ambulance comes, what if they take like the hero points from you? Well, I mean, I think that's. Well, That's a terrible idea. Well, isn't the whole isn't the whole point of being the first aid officer so that you can be the hero? Absolutely not, mate. I don't know if you've paid attention in first aid. Not a- not at all. You're supposed to be the first person on the scene, but you are not supposed to provide that much help. <laughs> <laughs> you are not that trained. <laughs> so after Lily is no longer drowned. um the, the the river's gone down, I don't know, because reasons. Um, they go through a tunnel in the boat and they find, I think, possibly the big tree from Avatar. I, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the big old Avatar tree. Yeah, Don't know what that's about. Um, because the moon cried. Did it? And the tree sprung from the tears, I want to say. Okay. And then it gives out flowers that are- the thing that gives Black Panther his powers? Yeah. Is that right? Because it's Disney. I'm assuming there's crossover. It cries them out. But you know what the weird thing about it is? Those petals disappear really fucking quick. Like, that is the quickest night I have ever seen take place. Like, from the moment- Like, they go into that tunnel before the moon comes up, right? Right. I don't know how long it takes her in the rock to figure out that whole stupid break apart the arrowhead thing. But by the mm-hmm. time those petals bloom, how long do you reckon they're out for? About about 15 minutes, if that? They've got very little time to harvest those flowers. That's, that's a fact. But presumably, like, if, if you lived there at the time and you're familiar with it all- you could just go grab a couple and like no worries tomorrow night I'll go back and get more. But can you because they've already, they've torn apart the arrowhead? Can you can you like this is what I found hard to understand is how because they needed to make them bloom they didn't just bloom themselves when the moon came out. But now that they've put the arrowhead in there, will they will they bloom every night? I I just don't understand the logic behind it. If they're going to bloom every night, why don't they just hang out for the next night or the next full moon or whatever it is? Yeah. Well, that's true. But then, well, what's the reset time on this thing? Exactly. Then? That's what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. It's possible it was explained and I'd forgotten. Look, it, it could have happened. In case you hadn't picked this up, my level of investment with this film was not massive. Didn't pick that up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Came in under the radar. Yeah. I thought you loved this. <laughs> There's one really bizarre cut. I tell you this, speaking of the the Avatar tree sequence with the- um. Wakanda flowers. There's one scene where Emily Blunt is dangling off that thing. One of my pet hates in films is any is someone dangling off something. Um, Emily Blunt's dangling off this thing, and then like all of a sudden, Plemons and three other guys are right there. Yeah, yeah, I I know what you're talking. I was about. like, oh wow, what what did we lose here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm also not a fan of a dangle. It just seems unnecessary. Along with Blunt and um, Rock, there is a third lead character in this film. As far as I can remember, has to be Disney's first openly gay character, yeah? In the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast, I think they confirmed that uh, LeFou- The character played by Josh Gad. Gann- yeah, Lafu. I think that from memory, that wasn't- that wasn't on screen. That was an off screen. Like, yeah, he's gay. But I don't think there was any mention of it in the film. Right. I, I mean, I didn't see it. So yeah. I don't know. From memory, this is the first on screen. Not Scar? Is that because of Jeremy Irons' beautiful voice? Are you just are you putting yourself in there a bit, do you think? Maybe it's that I'm attracted to Jeremy Irons' voice. So I'm projecting that on the Scar. I'm, okay, I'm yeah, pretty sure enough. that's what's happening. there. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Best voice. I'm Honest God. Best voice in the world. Yeah. I haven't done any research. I'd be curious to hear how the homosexual community feels about this character. Because I, I I must say, I feel like there's a bit of stereotyping going on here across the board. Firstly, is it okay for those people to use the word Ooga Booga? You know, when they're pretending to be native jungle people and they, they say something about the Ooga Booga costumes. I'm like, I don't think that's okay. Yeah, I remember watching that going- I, like I don't know. Ha- yeah, really happy to admit that I just don't I, know. I don't but, know. But I gotta. T- I can tell you what it felt like. Yeah, it felt not good. It also felt a little bit uncomfortable that Disney's first openly gay character is very stereotyped in that you know he brings a million suitcases with him with his dress clothes and stuff. And I, I, I don't know. Like maybe maybe that's me projecting on this. I just felt like it probably could have been done in a much more accepting way than it was. That kind of is the way that I felt about it. So, okay, you watched this only because we were doing it for the show. Is there any scenario where you would have been compelled to go to the cinemas to see this film? Under no circumstances. Similar to how I felt about Milan last year, where I'm kind of just not sure who the audience for this film really is. I've come up with one answer, and that is Your Sister. It, it is a film for Disney heads, for, for people who, you know, kind of the pandemic is the perfect time for this film to come out. Because these people haven't been able to get to Disneyland for, you know, two, three years now and experience this ride. And that is the only answer I can come up with. Because this isn't a kid's film. As you said, there's violence. Plemons knives a bunch of dudes. It's it's a little bit scary at times for, for children. But it's also not really an adult's film. This doesn't have the same level of adventure and excitement as some of those adult adventure films do. I kind of just don't know who this film was made for. If you want rock action, not really. If you want Emily Blunt being the best, not really. Yeah, like I, I mean, we've seen we've seen better examples of that in very recently. You know, if you want Emily Blunt being a badass, go see Quiet Place Part Two, which was actually very good. If you want Rock being the Rock, go see seventeen thousand other films that have come out in the last four years. If you if you want to see a better version of this film, go watch The Mummy. There are fun enough moments to this film. I don't mind the villains. I think that they're kind of cool the way they've taken on the jungle. You got, you know, you got your B guy. You got they look like whatever guy. They look like they look look like shit. shit. They look like shit. But I don't mind the concept. The concept is there, but there is kind of so much sandwiched in here because even they're kind of secondary to play. I want better for Edgar Ramirez, quite frankly. I really like that guy. Yeah, same. He's he's very cool. Yeah. So I I don't know. I just kind of feel like I don't know who this film is really for. Um, Expectations were low. They were met. Three out of ten. I'm a little stronger on it than that. I'm five out of ten. But again, I had the cinema experience for this, which I think is playing into it heavily. If I watched this at home, I think I would feel very much the way you do, where it's like, well, this is my time now. You know, like, this is like, what am am I doing? I missed Olympics for this. Not happy about it. I wouldn't feel that way because, you know. All right. What are we getting to next week, my friend? I haven't the faintest idea. You haven't the foggiest. Shall I check the calendar? You are in for a treat, because do you know what we're getting to next week? I'm not sure if the word is sequel or reboot that supposedly- reimagining. Yeah, reimagining that supposedly is very well received at the moment. We are, of course, going to get a suicide squad. The suicide squad. The- Sorry, that's right. That's what's different about it, isn't it? <laughs> It's the the. It's the the. Much like- It's clean li- <laughs> I'm so curious about The Suicide Squad. I have no hopes at all for it, even though I, I like James Gunn quite a lot. I'll be so curious to see this. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, can't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> It actually can't be worse. Yeah. yeah, it honestly can't be. So, that, of course, is our next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchetathing.com or wewatchetathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at we Watch the thing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash thing, and we'll catch you next week. Watch a movie, folks.